0: Welcome to Craft Life, episode 23, The Blues. In this episode, we'll try to fight off the blues. Hey, I will give away some blues. Of course, we will celebrate the blues. And I'll update you on what I've been making lately. All this coming up in this episode of Craft Life, the podcast all about living the creative life. Hello and welcome to episode twenty. Glad to see you here today. Before we get started, I'd like to give you a quick update on where we are with the house. We've kind of started packing. Uh, The current owners are putting on a new roof for us, which is very exciting. And uh, we're hoping to put down a few rooms of laminate flooring before we move in. But with all of that, we should be done with the home buying process by the end of the month. So things are really starting to, to crank up here in the Craft Live house. One of the things that I'm really excited about with this moving into a house of our own is all of the things that you get to do to make a home your own. We've always rented and this will be our first house that we have purchased so I'm really excited about being able to do those little touches that come with owning your own home. One of the things I'm in particularly excited about is painting and, and choosing what the walls will look like. Now. Color choice is not necessarily one of my strong suits. I've had definitely plenty of unfortunate color choices in the past with paint or clothing or you name it. So I was looking for a little help in this area and I came across two apps that uh, seem to be pretty handy. Both of these apps are for the iPhone. Um, That's because that's what I have. I'm not sure if they are for Android but I would be willing to bet that they probably are. The first one is called Color Snap, and it is by Sherwin Williams. Now this is a brand specific app, but uh, it's a pretty handy little app. So what you do with this app is you load the app and then you take a picture of anything. Once you snap this picture, you can pinpoint and select different colors from within the picture to become your color palette. So for instance, if you have a bedspread that you would like to create a paint color palette from, all you'd have to do is take a picture of the bedspread, pick the points within the bedspread that you like the best, and it will automatically generate the Sherwin-Williams colors that coordinate with the ones that you've selected. So that way when you go to the paint store to pick out your colors, you don't have to get a bunch of paint chips and bring them home and try to match them and see what goes the best. It will automatically do that for you. The other one that I've been enjoying is called Color Color. Viewfinder. Now, this app I was turned on to by Sister Diane of the Crafty Pod podcast and website, and she found it from Nickgirl.com. She tweeted a link to it from Nickgirl's website. This color viewfinder is not brand specific, and once you load Color Viewfinder, you don't have to take any pictures. All you do is hold the phone in front of you and hold it up in front of whatever it is that you would like to pull the color palette from. So. For instance, when I first tried this app out, I loaded it up and I just walked around my house with the phone in front of me and everything that I passed in front of, it auto generated a brand new color palette that matched whatever I was looking at. So if if I was looking out in my backyard, it would generate a color palette of greens and whites and blues. And if I held it in front of my kitchen curtains, it would generate a palette of golds and yellows and and reds, and the good thing about this app is that it gives you the RGB and hexadecimal codes for the colors, so you know exactly what colors you are looking at. Now other than using this to help me pick out paint colors for the new house, I think these apps are actually going to be pretty handy when it comes to color design choices in in, say my knitting specifically. As I've said, color is kind of where I need a bit of help for sure. So being able to use, say, the Color Viewfinder app and looking at a, at a scene that, that the colors just really speak to me, I think that's going to be helpful in, uh, in selecting color choices for knitting designs. But enough of the new house update. We are talking about colors in this episode, but really one specific color. And if you haven't figured that out from the intro yet, that color is blue. So let's get on with the rest of the show. It's probably happened to you at least once. You excitedly try on a sweater that you've just cast off and find that, despite your best swatching efforts, it doesn't fit at all. Or you hold up the latest lace project that you've been working on to examine the progress of the last two or three pattern repeats, only to discover that a previously unnoticed dropped stitch has created a run in the fabric about 15 rows deep, and all of that below your last lifeline. Of course, these are likely private moments of knitting trauma. What about the more public ones? Accidental injury to your fellow man with pointy stick, anyone? Or maybe looking back at a picture of yourself proudly wearing your first... And very obviously novice knitting creation has brought a flush of embarrassment to your face, accompanied by the low and muttered utterance, What was I thinking? Trust me, my friend, you are not alone. When I was in my preteen and teenage years, once a month I would find the latest edition of Y. M. Magazine in my mailbox. For those of you who are unfamiliar with this magazine, it was the second oldest girl's magazine in the US, but has since gone out of publication in 2004. It was full of fashion and makeup tips, diet and fitness advice, and articles featuring celebrities who would be of interest to teenage girls. But none of this content received my immediate attention, oh no. When I got a fresh issue of YM in my hands, the first place I flipped to was a little column located in the back of the magazine called Say Anything. This was a reader submission column in which people shared their most embarrassing and mortifying experiences. You know the ones I'm talking about, the ones that make you want to hang your head in shame or crawl under the floor and hide there until the rest of the world forgets the incident. Sometimes, my friends and I would discuss these stories at lunch. Did you read the one about so-and-so? Oh my gosh, I would die if that ever happened to me. According to Wikipedia, this Say Anything column first appeared in the 1930s. The 1930s! And it was still being printed when I was reading in the early 90s. Thinking back about these stories printed in a national magazine has led me to ask the question, why? Why would someone submit a story that they would probably rather everyone around them forget to a national magazine so that it can be read by the country at large? I asked the same question about myself a few weeks ago. If you follow me on Twitter, this may sound a bit familiar. It was a day like any other day. I arrived at the office, worked until noon, went down to the cafeteria for lunch, went back to my desk and worked the rest of the afternoon. At about three o'clock, I took a trip to the restroom. Standing in front of the mirror, washing my hands, I looked up and noticed something strange on the side of my hip. Was that a tag? Why, yes. Yes, it was. Standing back and taking in my appearance as a whole, I discovered that I was wearing my shirt, inside out, and had been all day. My jaw dropped, and as my face started to turn all shades of red, a few different thoughts raged through my mind. Did anyone notice? No one said anything, so maybe they didn't notice. What if they did notice, but then just didn't say anything? If I fix it now, they'll know that I didn't know. I could leave it like it is and pretend that I did it on purpose as some sort of ironic fashion statement. No, that's just stupid. <sighs> I work in an office. I could turn it right side out right now. <laughs> but what if there are deodorant stains on the inside which will then become the outside? I'll just, I'll just have to wear my jacket the rest of the day, which is really only another hour because I've already been wearing my shirt inside out all day. This last option was the one that I ultimately went with, and I returned to my desk properly dressed while also wearing my jacket, hoping that no one would notice and wishing I could just go home. After a few moments, I took to the Twitter sphere and lamented my situation. That's right. Even though I hoped those nearest to me either didn't realize or didn't care about my strange dress that day, I let the rest of the world know. Why? Well, I think there are two reasons. One, misery loves company. When we are suffering from embarrassing situations, it's nice to know that we are not alone. Perhaps someone else out there has had a similar story they could share. Just hearing someone else say, I have done the same thing, affirms that you are not alone in your suffering and perhaps you're not really as big of a dummy as you feel. Two, putting the story out there gives you the opportunity to laugh at it. And let's be honest, a problem doesn't seem nearly as big if you can laugh about it. Telling someone else your embarrassing moment and seeing it from the outside after it's over can help you find the humor. This may not happen immediately, but once it does, it is a big relief. I think the same idea goes for our knitting and crafting mishaps. Making something is a very personal activity. We invest so much of our time and ourselves in our projects that those face palm moments can feel pretty weighty. So I encourage you to get your stories out there. Whatever your embarrassing knitwear story, you are probably not the first person, nor likely to be the last person who has dealt with that situation. Tell a friend and try to find the humor, and in that way, try to chase away your knitting blues. If you feel like sharing your knitting woes with the world will only take you halfway to the point of being able to laugh about them, hopefully I can help you get over the other half. I'm pleased to announce the next Craft Life giveaway. This time I'll be giving away two skeins of Plymouth Boku yarn in color number 7. These two skeins total up 198 yards of 95% wool and 5% silk single-ply Aran weight yarn. This color number seven is a gorgeous, gorgeous deep blue, blue blue-green, and indigo colorway. There are little pops of sort of a brownish red. It, it, It just reminds me of a fantasy ocean. Oh, it's lovely. So in order to enter this giveaway... The only thing you have to do is share your embarrassing crafting or knitting related moments. That's right. It doesn't have to be your knitwear, hint, hint. You can also share embarrassing moments that happened with other people's knitwear that just involve you. Leave a comment in the show notes for episode 23 on the website or in the Ravelry Craft Life thread that's called Say Anything Giveaway. Feel free to comment in the thread or in the Craft Life show notes if you read someone else's story that you'd like to empathize with. However, you must share your own story in order to be entered into the giveaway. You can share as many stories as you like, but you'll only be entered once. This giveaway runs until the end of the month, so you have until 11.59 p.m. Central Standard Time, that's Texas time, on Thursday, May the 31st to enter, so head on over to episode 23 show notes at craftlifecentral.com or the Craft Life Group in Ravelry. The thread is called Say Anything Giveaway and share your crazy, embarrassing knitting or crafting stories. To be entered for a chance to win, again, that's two skeins of Plymouth Boku in color number seven. And for pictures of the prize, check out the show notes for this episode at craftlifecentral.com. Bluebonnet. Noun. Definition. A species of wildflower found mostly in the southwestern United States whose petals are said to resemble bonnets worn by pioneer women. Usage example. The bluebonnets were in full bloom for only about a month this year. I changed up the music a little bit for this week's Southernism segment because it's really more of a Texasism. See, blue bonnets are the state flower of Texas. They were named so in 1901. And every year around this time, or more, more precisely around the beginning or so of April, the blue bonnets come out in full bloom. Yeah, I said that. They come out in all of their gloriousness. They line the sides of the highways of Texas and especially toward the area of Central Texas. They're just, when you look out over a field, you don't see green, you see blue and they are absolutely gorgeous. April the 13th through the 15th of this past year was the annual Blue Bonnet Festival in Burnett, Texas. Now, there are a number of Blue Bonnet festivals that happen around this time of year, but Burnett, Texas puts on a really good Bluebonnet Festival. They have a weekend of activity scheduled, I mean everything from live music and dancers, they have a pet parade, a fun run, a carnival, uh, a Miss Bluebonnet pageant, this is Texas after all, a gunfighter shootout, they have an air show, and of course my favorite thing about festivals, festival food and arts and crafts vendors. Now many of the arts and crafts vendors had a lot of bling. Again, like I said, we're in Texas after all. Tons of of handmade purses and clothes and shiny things. Um, they had some awesome wood turners. Um, some a lot of folk crafts. Uh, you know, just things that you wouldn't see anywhere else. So if you are in the Central Texas Hill Country area during the springtime, I recommend you find yourself a Bluebonnet Festival if you're near Burnet. Check that one out. And um, see all of the, just the gorgeousness that happens in the springtime in Central Texas. I'll have a link to the Burnet It Blue Bonnet Festival website in the show notes. So you can check out and see all of the other things that I didn't mention that that went on during that time. And also some gorgeous pictures of blue bonnets. I was not familiar with this flower until we moved to Texas. And now it is such a treat every spring to see them pop out and, and open up in just all of their deep, rich blue gorgeousness. They're definitely one of my favorite flowers here in Texas. So if you've not seen them before, definitely check out the pictures that I will have in the show notes, as well as the links that I will have to the Burnett Blue bonnet Festival's website. And you can see pictures from previous festivals, as well as some more gorgeous blue bonnet pictures. So again, that is the Blue bonnet State Flower of Texas. Are you ready to talk a little bit about crafting? I know I am. Well, I have cast off and completed the Frederick and Anne scarf. This is the lace scarf from Jane Austen Knits that I was working on as a Mother's Day gift for my mom in a Regia silk four-ply sock yarn. This was really a great project to knit. The Regia silk was a dream to work with. And the lace chart pattern was only about 16 lines long and it was not a difficult chart pattern to learn, and pretty much by the by the end of the scarf, I didn't really have to follow the chart too much because I had most of it memorized by then. But it is done, it is blocked, the ends have been woven in, and it is actually already packaged up and sitting on the table by the door, ready for me to take it out to the mailbox tomorrow morning so I can send it on to my mom for Mother's Day. If you're looking for a lace project to knit and you don't mind doing a scarf, which of course can be very repetitive, I know some people it's not their favorite thing, but I didn't mind it at all. I would recommend this pattern absolutely. And now that I'm done with the Frederick and Anne scarf, of course I need another project. Now what I really, really wanted to cast on was the layering shrug. Martine over at the iMake podcast is hosting a knit along for this pattern and it really is a gorgeous pattern it's sort of a a a really roomy sleeved shrug that that is lace which I like obviously from the Frederick and Anne scarf um, and it it really is a gorgeous pattern that I don't have the yarn in my stash for I did wind up a few cakes of some yarn that I had in my stash and cast on the shrug and then just decided you know what this shrug deserves better yarn than what I have right now to be quite honest so I did not cast that one on so instead I went for the short stays pattern by Larissa Brown which is also in the Jane Austen Knits magazine this one as I was doing a Ravelry advanced search for yarn that I had in my stash I had some very specific yarn I wanted to use in a project and this one was flagged and when I saw it I thought how cute so here's what Larissa has to say about the short stays pattern Short stays were a form of corset worn in the Regency era. They ended immediately under the bust and were worn between layers underneath the public dress. This top turns this flattering form into outerwear, crossed in front and tied in back. Its fitted shape would look wonderful over a flowing blouse, symbol T-shirt, or empire waist dress like those worn in Jane's Day. It brings the sweet shaping of short stays out into the light. Like it says in the description, this this top ties under the waist and it is very much an empire waisted garment and it, and it is intended to wear on the outside now. When I showed Adam the pattern, he said it kind of looked like that the model was wearing her bra on the outside and he was not a fan of the pattern. I think it is adorable, but now of course I don't I, I'm having second thoughts. I mean, does it really look like someone who is wearing their bra on the outside, which is obviously not appropriate? So, I'm going to have a link to this pattern in the show notes for this episode. Take a look at it. Tell me what you think. Because really, I don't want to spend all this time making this project if it's really going to look like I'm wearing my bra on the outside. I don't think so. I think it's cute, but uh, I'd like to know what you have to say about it. So leave me a comment in the show notes or in this show thread in the Ravelry group and let me know. Short stays pattern? Cute, cute outerwear? Or looks like underwear that you're just wearing on the outside? Let me know. In other crafting news, I'm almost finished spinning up the Icelandic roving that was gifted to me by the very lovely Lilybet Ra- on Ravelry. Now, once I have all of this roving spun, I will have three drop spindles full of single plies that I will need to ply. So, how do I do this? Well, in the past, the what little bit of drop spindling I've done, I have done as two ply, and I've Andean plied them. Now. For those of you who don't spin, this is this is sort of a way that you ply the yarn together using the two ends and you work them together till you get the middle, which is great because you don't have any, you know, any single plies left over at the end and you have it all done. Now, I want to do this yarn as a 3-ply. So, I decided what I need is a Lazy Kate. I did a little researching because I'm definitely not in a position to buy a Lazy Kate at the moment, but I had heard that people had made them from shoeboxes. So, Of course, I got on and Googled, as you do when you're looking for how-tos on DIY projects, and I saw a lot of pictures of homemade Lazy Kates done in shoeboxes. Many of them were done for, for spinning wheel spindles, but I was looking for something that I could just lay my drop spindles into, not have to remove the plies from the spindles at all. Many of the pictures of the homemade Lazy Kates that I looked at required placing the singles onto separate bobbins and with that that appears to only work with top whirl spindles one of my spindles is a bottom whirl, which means the hook is at the top of the spindle if i were to try to remove my singles from the shaft of the spindle i can already foresee tangled mess on the hook so i needed something a little bit different also a lot of the diy lazy kates i found online had the spindles laid horizontally uh level within the box now this could possibly be a problem for me because I don't know how, if how fast I pull the plies off the spindles would cause them maybe to shift back and forth in the box. So after all of this research, here's what I came up with. My shoebox Lazy Kate sets the drop spindles at an angle with the whirl lower. And this will keep the weight toward the bottom and hopefully prevent the spindles from sliding back and forth, which as I said, I think they might do if they were balanced horizontally. My shoebox fits three spindles. That's what I have. So my plan is to set them all in my Lazy Kate and wind up the singles with a ball winder, which I've heard can go great and I've heard can go bad. We'll see. It's all kind of an experiment at this point, but that's where I am with my drop spindling, and that is pretty much all of the crafting that I've been doing lately. If you want to see a picture of the Lazy Kate, check out the show notes for this episode at (music) craftlifecentral.com. And that pretty much brings us to the end of this episode. Before I go today, I would like to remind you to go on to the Craft Life Ravelry group and the Say Anything giveaway thread or to craftlifecentral.com and share your just horror knitting stories there for a chance to enter the giveaway of the Plymouth Boku yarn in the gorgeous shades of blues and blue greens and indigos. And I'm telling you, check this yarn out. It's gorgeous. Also, don't forget, we have a Craft Life audio feedback line. That telephone number is 682-999-8409. As a matter of fact, now that I'm thinking about it, call that number, share your embarrassing knitting story to enter the giveaway, and I'll give you a bonus entry. That's right. I'm making the call right now. So that number again is 682-999-8409. And if you do choose to call the Craft Life Audio Feedback line, please, please feel free to share your blog website address or your podcast name or whatever it is that you are doing crafty online. Uh, Please do share that in your audio feedback so that whenever I play it on the show, everyone else will be able to have a chance to check out what it is that you are doing in your craft life and as always itunes reviews are appreciated please head on to itunes and give any of your favorite podcasters a good five star rating it helps bump us up in the in the rankings when people are out there searching for knitting or crafting related podcasts or whatever kind of podcasts that you are listening to and reviewing it's always very much appreciated and on that note i think we're going to wrap it up for this week Mm If you'd like to get in touch with me you can email treacle and at hotmail.com come on over and check out the website show notes for today and for all the other shows at craftlifecentral.com on Ravelry and Facebook my name is treacle and Inc. come on over to the craft life Ravelry group or you can follow craft life on twitter that's me join me again in the next podcast episode and until then thanks so much and have a great week